What if I deserve the love that I feel like I deserve? What if it's possible for me to nail this job interview? What if it's possible for me to live the life that I want to live? This is Grow To Be Free, a self-development podcast that helps ambitious ladies pursue their dreams while finding peace, happiness, and maintaining a thriving mental health. My name is Kiani, and I burnt myself out at age 22. I didn't know my purpose. I hated my job. I thought money was the answer to all my problems, and girl, was I sad. I fought through anxiety and depression by working on myself nonstop. Now, I can honestly say that I am happy, I find peace every single day, and I'm on a journey to discover my best life. Join me as I sit with other ambitious gals who have learned to unlock this new level of life. Think of us as the girlfriends that actually grow with you. We'll share all the tangible tips to help you transform your mindset, mental health, relationships, faith, and finances. Plug in your headphones, get ready to jot down some notes, and let yourself be inspired. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Grow To Be Free podcast. I'm here with Miss Avery Thatcher. She's a former ICU RN. She's a speaker and trauma-informed yoga teacher. And today I brought her on to talk about how to reverse the negative effects of stress. And so as you guys know, this world is stressful, especially when we got work, school, family, relationships, all the things that we're working on, life can get super stressful. And so I wanted to bring Avery on because she has a really clear perspective on what stress can do to your body, both on the biological side, being a nurse, and then on the preventative side for what she does today. So I'm going to hand it to her to talk about why she actually transitioned from becoming a nurse to now being a trauma-informed yoga teacher and why that was important to her. So Avery, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kiani. I am so grateful to be here and I can't wait to talk about this. I am so nerdy about stress, so it's going to be perfect. (laughs) That's such a weird thing to say, but I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, like you mentioned, I used to be an ICU nurse. And very quickly in my practice, I noticed that the majority of the reasons why adults found themselves in the ICU were because of illnesses and diseases that could be linked to chronic stress. So that's where I decided I needed to get out of the reactive side of medicine to try and keep people out of the ICU in the first place. So I started moving into a business in 2015, have been full-time since the end of 2018. And I really haven't looked back because now I can really help people rewire their habits and their perspectives and really learn how to navigate stress in their body to feel more in control of their life overall, and then also prevent those long-term health complications. I love that. Yeah. I I have personally been dealing with a lot of stress lately and also have had my dad who struggles with a lot of stress as well. And it, and it does affect his health um, that I can see on the surface. And, you know, I'm really interested to know from you on like, on the biological level and on the physiological level, like what stress actually does. So I'd love for you to dive into that and what you've seen. For sure. So really, we've got to understand our stress switch a little bit to be able to know like how it affects our body at different stages. Because our stress response 
moves through three different stages as it becomes this chronic stress. So really our stress response is a switch that's either on or off. We're either in the fight flight system, which is the sympathetic nervous system, or we're in the rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system. And so people may also have heard of the terms freeze and fawn. And so what that is, is when your stress switch gets stuck in the middle. So it's not on the fight or flight side. It's not on the rest and digest side. It's kind of stuck in the middle. And so when we're activated, when our stress response is turned on, our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure goes up. Uh, we breathe faster. Our pupils are dilated so we can see everything around us because really our stress response was designed to get us away from that saber-toothed tiger running at us and get us to safety and then turn off. But our body has not adapted to this modern day stress. And so that's where we can really start to see different things being impacted as time goes on. Because if you think about it, if you're running away from that bear or saber-toothed tiger, you know, contemplating those bigger problems, digesting that cheeseburger that you had for lunch, not a priority. So your body's not prioritizing those kinds of things. So really some of the early signs of chronic stress look like brain fog, maybe forgetting some things, really feeling like you've got a short fuse, that things are more irritable to you than normal. A lot of digestive issues happen with chronic stress because again, your body's not prioritizing that because it's built to get you to safety. And when you're running for your life, you don't really need to be digesting your food. So our body is kind of working against us in that way. The further that we move down these three stages of stress that I'll talk about in a minute, the further and more impactful those effects have on us. And that's where we start to see those longer term, the more serious medical conditions like heart disease, stroke, cancer, all those things that are related to stress. That's when those start showing up. So the three stages of chronic stress are the stage of alarm. That's the first one. That's the like, holy smokes, ugh, something just happened. I'm really stressed out. And then we move, if the stressor doesn't go away, which a lot of our modern day stressors don't, then we move into the stage of resistance. And this is where we can really maintain a balance within that stress if we know how to really work with our stress response. But if we don't really bring things into balance, then we move into the final stage, which is the stage of exhaustion. And that's where a lot of us can really live our life truly in survival mode really struggling to be interested in anything. It's totally the sit on the couch, watch Netflix and zone out for as long as it takes for Netflix to be like, are you still watching? And yeah, it's just learning this, the different stages of progression and how to manage them at each stage. Yeah, that's, that's incredible that you have those three stages. I've never heard those before. So I feel like that's super informative for everybody to just get a conceptual understanding understanding of what happens to their bodies during this time. How long would you say it takes for somebody to move to those through those three stages? Great question. And unfortunately, the answer is it depends. It really depends on the person, their previous experiences. Do they have a history of trauma or complex trauma? Is there that direct injury to the nervous system or not? What kind of coping skills do they have? What's been demonstrated to them? What is the stressor that they're working with? All of these factors can really play into how quickly and how significantly you move through those three stages. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. And I love that you brought up the piece about PTSD and CPTSD and how that can affect 
somebody's stress timeline, if you will, how would you say that affects them in the long run? Could you give some examples or, or how you've seen it in the past? Absolutely. So when we're living in a traumatized state, it's actually an injury to the nervous system. And that's the biggest difference between stress and trauma. Stress can absolutely be very distressing, still require a lot of help, still require a lot of care. But if it hasn't directly injured the nervous system, then it's not trauma. So again, it doesn't matter whether you have stress or distress, you still deserve help and still deserve to take care of that. But once you go over into the trauma side of things, that's where people with PTSD and CPTSD have a narrow window of resilience. It's called the window of tolerance. And it was uh, first discovered and coined and taught by Dr. Dan Siegel. And he's one of the leading researchers in the trauma space. And he's got his PhD in trauma. He is fascinating. So if you ever want to learn a little bit more about this, definitely go look him up. He's got some great books. But really, we have such a narrow window of tolerance. So that way, when we're in this stress space, it takes a lot less to trigger that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. And so it makes us go into the full activated stress response that much quicker. And so a lot of people talk about PTSD and CPTSD. And just to clarify what the difference is with PTSD, Typically, you can look back and pinpoint one particular situation or a couple of different situations, but the flashbacks and the trauma and the triggers are all centered around one experience. And so people can pinpoint it and be like, yep, that's when I was in this traumatic experience. That is what keeps triggering me on and on. CPTSD is when it's more subtle trauma. It's more emotional, more manipulative trauma. And it's definitely done over a period of time. So we see this a lot with uh, certain healthcare workers, with highly emotional people that grew up in a household that didn't really understand and didn't hold safety for big emotions. Uh, a lot of people that grew up in narcissistic households, those can definitely create that period of complex trauma. And then the difference is with PTSD, you have that particular trigger that your dreams always come back to an event. But with CPTSD, there's a number of different things that can trigger intense fear and a feeling of unsafety in your body, but you can't really tell what that was, what the cause was. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. And I love how you described that because I think a lot of times when we when we think about trauma, I mean, in this day and age, everybody's throwing around that word. And, and I feel like a lot of the times we're not quite sure what we're referring to in that. I know for me personally, I thought because I didn't have like a specific point of reference, a specific event that was triggering me that I didn't have any trauma in my life. So, which isn't necessarily true. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, yeah, I, I don't think I have a certain event that I could point to that is traumatic, but I still feel these feelings. I still feel triggered in certain situations. I want you to know that you have an option. You have something that you can reference and you can start to learn more about it. So that way you can start to treat and help that in a positive way. Um, and that's exactly why I brought Avery here to talk about this because um, it's an important distinct, 
this what <laughs> is an important distinction to make. And um, Avery, I think my next question would be, how can somebody with CPTSD or maybe somebody who suspects that they might have something of the sorts go about um, healing and, and what would be the process for them? I'm sure it varies from person to person, but in a general sense. Yes, absolutely. Great question. And so something to clarify quickly too, before we get into that, if if you think you might have CPTSD because you get triggered by things, there's a significant difference between being triggered by something and having your trauma and your stress response activated by something. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to have a lot of things in our life that trigger strong emotions in us. It's just part of being human. It's part of having core values that we really attach to that when they get challenged, we get really emotional, very activated and very triggered in that space. When we actually have trauma that's being triggered, that's where the sense of impending doom kicks in. The fear for your life, even though you're just sitting in your living room watching a show on Netflix, mm -hmm. like there's, there's different shifts that happened in your body when it is the CPTSD versus distressing experiences over time. And the reason why I'm clarifying this is because for somebody that's looking to start their healing journey, if you're not sure if you have CPTSD or PTSD, I would recommend connecting with someone that is not, that has credentials really is like you, this is something that's very, uh, trendy right now. And there's a lot of people that are labeling themselves as trauma coaches, but things like meditation, mindfulness that can actually be very damaging for people with PTSD and CPTSD. Mm -hmm. We need to work on widening the window first, because if like really the goal of meditation and mindfulness is to calm you down, right? Is to like, dysregulate everything, make it all just like, ha, ah, and just sort of figure things out. But if you have an alarm bell that's really close to where you feel safe, and then you start to lower down your defenses, it's still going to trigger the alarm system within you. It's still going to trigger that strong stress response. So the first thing that we need to do is learn how to widen the window of resilience, the window of tolerance, so that way we can start to do some of those other stress management pieces, some of those other deep healing sections, because you don't want to re-traumatize yourself as you're trying to heal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point to make. I'm glad that you made that distinction. And yeah, I guess we can kind of rewind a little bit more to that window of tolerance because you mentioned that it's an injury to the nervous system. So how could you figure out if you actually have a, an injury to the nervous system. For the last four years, I personally have been using journaling as a healing practice and it's literally transformed my life. It's one of the key ways I've been able to work through my anxiety, get myself out of depression and really begin to thrive in life. If you're looking to get into journaling or you are in need of a new one, the Ambitious Peace journals are now available on Amazon. For those of you who don't know, these are super cute aesthetic journals with a different encouraging, motivational and insightful quote on every single page. They're small enough to fit in a purse, they're college ruled, and have 150 pages of space to free write, jot down your life plan, or to process those really tough thoughts and emotions. 
If you have been watching this on YouTube or Spotify, you'll be able to see what they look like, but I will describe them for everybody, so don't worry. One is this monochromatic chocolate wave design. The second one is another monochromatic look, but it's like a pink, light pink painting on canvas. And the last one is a light blue, white square geometric pattern that is very satisfying to the eye. My favorite one happens to be the chocolate one, but I'm looking forward to hearing which one is your favorite. So let me know in the comments or in your reviews. Again, you can find these on Amazon. I will link the Amazon link in the description of this show. And without further ado, let's get back to the episode. So truly, it is with the guidance of somebody that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, Especially with CPTSD, you need someone that helps you navigate that without re-triggering your trauma. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you think that you have this, definitely connect with a psychotherapist, with a counselor, with somebody that works in this space because they can help you navigate that. CPTSD mm-hmm. is not a formal diagnosis yet, but there is a lot of research around it. There's a lot of work around that. So it's it's coming. And there's a lot of psychiatrists, therapists that do recognize it as its own diagnosis. So yeah, definitely if you're if you're not sure, I would recommend checking that out, reaching out to somebody. But then another way to try that is just find out what happens when you try and meditate? Do you feel like you kind of shut down? Like all of a sudden you sit down and then your like mind goes off. And so one of the things that happened to me not too long ago, I was in a, a flare up of my PTSD and CPTSD and I sat down to meditate. And then all of a sudden I was outside walking my dog with no recollection of how I got to that spot. And so that is disassociation. And it is very common with PTSD and CPTSD when you go into other stress management strategies that your body's not ready for. Mm, Fascinating. If you're interested in learning about meditation and mindfulness and you want to give it a try, um, there's a couple of really easy things that you can do first to prepare your body for it. And it doesn't matter if you have trauma or not, these practices can work really well for you. And one of those is somatic shaking. So humans are actually one of the only mammals that do not process their trauma in the moment that it happens. If you were to look at like an antelope on the Serengeti that just narrowly avoids getting eaten by a lion, it will stand there and shake, like violently shivering. And that's its way of releasing the extra adrenaline, the extra stress chemicals that are floating around in their body because of that moment. And so as humans, we don't really do this anymore. We kind of just experience stress and push through. But when you fiddle with your hair or flick a pen or bounce your knee or like tap your toe, that's your body somatically processing stress. So one of the things that we can do before we start some kind of practice, like a meditation or a mindfulness exercise, is to actually just stand there and jump up and down and shake out your arms like a kid when they like try and get the sillies out. You're going to do the same thing. And that can do a lot for preparing your body to widen that window so that you can achieve more in your meditation. I love that. That is that is something I've never heard before. So I think that's amazing. 
And I think that can really help people who struggle with meditation because there's a lot of people out there who want to try it. And when they do, like, it just either doesn't work for them or, you know, they run into certain blockages and blocks that prevent them from really feeling the positive effects of it. So you're kind of touching now on like some different modalities or methods where we can kind of handle our stress. So how do we distinguish between something that works for us um, on like the CPTSD or PTSD level? And how do we manage stress on like a day-to-day kind of day-to-day stress level? Are those different or are they the same or? So there's a lot of overlap, which is really, it's always nice when that happens, but really our stress management strategies come in two forms. There's the band-aid reactive side, and then there's the proactive side. So meditation, mindfulness, those are kind of on the reactive side because typically Mm -hmm. we use those of like, oh, I'm feeling stressed. I'm going to take a couple deep breaths. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all, actually. It's really smart to do some things like that throughout the day. But then we also need to look at what's causing our stress. Mm -hmm. What kind of habits am I living in right now that are contributing to my stress level? And what can I do to look at those? Mm -hmm. So it's not just looking at things that you can do, but also looking at who you need to be. Yeah, I love that. So would that include something along the lines of journaling or some sort of like growth practice in mind? Absolutely. So journaling is a really helpful one because it is a bit of a Uh, one of those reactive healing things after the fact, but then it also can help us just really figure out those trends ahead of time. So that way we can look at, okay, so what are my warning signs for when I'm taking on too much? What does that look like? Because as people that are highly sensitive, as people with CPTSD, uh, people-pleasing is a very strong part of our personality. And so, especially as women as well, we're really trained to not be compassionate to to ourselves, but to be compassionate to everybody else. So really looking at those habits and figuring out where are they serving me versus sabotaging me? Because I really want to, like, if, if you only get one thing from listening to this, I really want you to think about habits and thoughts and actions. They're not positive or negative. They're not good or bad. They either serve or sabotage. So our, our ability to take on a lot and to be able to multitask and to be able to help everybody can absolutely be a serving thing because it means that we can be a really good contributor to our little corner of the world. But when it gets into sabotaging territory, that's where we ditch all of our coping mechanisms and really just kind of push us down those three stages of stress. So it's really just looking at both the internal and the external things that we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we realize that we're in that alarm stage, is that already heading into reactive territory or is that when we should be starting those proactive activities? So I think both of those activities need to be happening ongoing and they can happen at the same time. When you're in the final stage, stage of exhaustion, that's definitely when it's ready to do. You really just need to focus in on those healing 
techniques to bring you back up into the stage of resistance. Because truly when we're in that stage of exhaustion, we don't have the brain capacity, the emotional capacity, the physical capacity to do a lot. We're just kind of surviving. So really mm -hmm. that's where prioritizing a lot of our coping strategies is really, really helpful. And I find that a lot of people that are in either the end stages of the stage of resistance or full-blown burnout in the stage of exhaustion, it's really hard to think of what you could do. And so I have a free PDF that I'll just, I'll give you Kiani so you can send it to your people. Yeah. It has over a hundred different self-care ideas that are either free or low cost. So mm -hmm. they, when you are just like ugh, completely burnt out, you can just come to this sheet, scan through and be like, Ooh, that sounds nice. And then give it a try. Hmm. I love that. Oh, that sounds so helpful in the moment. Cause yeah, it's true. When you're like super burnt out and stressed, like you just really want to like numb your brain <laughs> and like that doesn't actually help. So I'd, I'd love for you to talk about how we can start to get out of that numbingness because I feel like it's very typical for somebody to, like you said, go on Netflix and just binge watch for hours and on end and for other people it's maybe scrolling social media like i know for me on a very stressful day it's hard for me to continue to do stuff that makes me um, better in the long run and i just need to like let my brain like i don't know reset and that's kind of how i rationalize scrolling for x amount of time so how can we start to get out of those habits? So I think the first thing that we need to do is shift our mindset around what self-care is. I would love to know the person that said you must give yourself 30 minutes a day of self-care because I'd like to like shake them a little bit and be like, how how is somebody that's so burnt out supposed to figure out how to do that? So remember, one minute is better than no minutes. So if you take one minute to get up and stretch a little bit, or just take a couple of deep breaths, or go make yourself a cup of tea before you sit down to watch Netflix or scroll through social media, giving yourself that 60 seconds can start to heal that stressed out part of you that's feeling so burnt out. And so really, it's just looking for little pockets of time. When I was working full-time 12-hour shift work and running my business, it was a little bit wild and busy, a little bit stressful, not going to lie. And so it was about looking for tiny pockets of time. And so I knew that I had a 15 minute break. And so I would go and make myself a cup of tea, go find a quiet room and I'd meditate for a couple minutes before going back out onto the floor. So again, was it perfect? No, I was not sitting in some little cozy space with a blanket and a pillow and like all zenned out, but it worked. So it's about being more creative and being more flexible with that mindset. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's those small moments during the day that really make a big impact as opposed to like the long drawn out like baths or <laughs> stuff like that. And it's, it's not saying that baths aren't self-care, but I think you're right. We have to kind of reset our mindset around what actually is self-care and, and what isn't. And you're right that those small moments of just prioritizing what our body needs can have more value than just doing the generic things that we see on social media. <laughs> Agreed. And that's where like setting yourself up once you're out of that exhaustion space, setting yourself up with daily habits 
that allow you to continue to check in to make sure that you're still on track. And so one of those things that I do every morning is I ask myself, what does my body need most right now in this moment? And then I just give myself a space to hear whatever aches and pains or maybe anxiety or whatever it is that's coming up for me. And then if I can't do it right away, then I literally book a time in my calendar where I'm going to do that. And then I get the little buzz on my watch saying, hey, remember you were going to go and do this? I'll be like, great. So it's, it's such an important practice to start. And I would definitely recommend everybody give it a try. Mm, yeah, that's really good. I think that's super important. What, what would you recommend for somebody who might be maybe close to that third stage, the exhaustion stage where they do these practices that are, are helping for a short moment, but then they're like right back into it in the stress mode and they feel like they can't quite catch a break, even though they are trying to find those moments or, you know, doing the things that normally make them feel um, better and those things aren't working. Like, what would you recommend? So it depends on how they're feeling with all of that. If it's starting to feel really hopeless, then I would absolutely recommend reaching out to somebody. If you still feel like you have a little bit of fire in you to still keep fighting and figuring things out, then I would recommend trying uh, two different things. The first is a self-compassion script. And then the second is to try what affirmations instead of affirmations. So starting first with the self-compassion script, uh, really, like I mentioned before, we have had compassion, self-compassion trained out of us. Like we wouldn't even hold a door open for ourselves. We don't give ourselves any kind of care after a certain point. And especially if we're in the stage of exhaustion, it's really easy for us to just really be hard on ourselves, be down on ourselves for the people that we feel like we're letting down, maybe that we're starting to drop work or school and it's just not, we're not giving it our all, but we don't have anything left to give. So having those kinds of pushes and pulls can be really hard. Our self-talk can get quite nasty. Mm -hmm. So a self-compassion script doesn't just cover it up with a blanket of positivity because the affirmations of I am enough, are they don't work. It's like trying to convince yourself when you step into a, a bath full of ice water that the water is warm. Your body hears that thought and it's like, nope. When you say to yourself, I am enough and you don't believe it, your body just dismisses it just like that. So we need to work around that. And so with a self-compassion script, it helps bypass that a little bit. And it also gives you comfort. So self-compassion script has three pieces. The first is to validate how you're feeling. And this is the most important part of the script because we are so good at pushing through. Just like, ugh, just leave it behind. Don't think about it. Don't experience it. Just like, got to keep going. I've got this deadline. I've got this exam. I've got this project. I've got this idea of what I want to create for a business and it needs to happen tomorrow. We've got this pressure just to keep going so we leave it all behind. So we need to validate how we're feeling. The next part is to offer you some comfort because if we just validate, oh yeah, that sucks for you, but you know, keep going. You still haven't really given yourself that space to hold for the emotions. And then the last piece is to come up with a plan. And so an example of where I've used one of these in the past was uh, 
back at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I got very sick and the doctor noticed this mass on my neck and it turned out to be a huge lump on my thyroid. And so I had to go and get it tested to see if it was cancer. And the doctor, when they were testing it, he has this huge needle that he's like jabbing into the side of my neck repeatedly to get samples from different sections of my little mass. And it was incredibly painful. It was scary because who knows what it would have come up with, what the test results were going to be. And so I'm laying there on the table and I said to myself, it's okay to be scared. It's okay that this hurts. You don't have to like buck up. This is tough, but you have support. There are people which you can talk to and you've survived a hundred percent of the things that have come your way so far. So you're going to be able to do this. You can make it through this pain for one more breath and one more breath. And I just kept repeating that to myself over and over. And then before I knew it, the test was finished and I could get up to go. And so it's really just holding space for the discomfort and not trying to push it away. It made a big difference. Psst. Are you enjoying this episode as much as I am? Girl, I hope so. If you're getting anything positive from this podcast, I would love it if you left a review and shared it with a friend you feel like needs to hear it. I know you hear this a lot, but this is really the only way other people can benefit and grow from this information as well. If you listen to this podcast, I'm assuming you have a desire for the world to be in a better place. And what better way to do that than by spreading awareness of self-development to help each person grow and be better a little more each day. And you might be asking, well, what's in it for you? Well. I'll shout you out on a future episode if you leave a review. Plus, at that point, we're pretty much friends. And the best part, it's completely free. So thank you so much for being a listener of Grow To Be Free. It really means the world to me. And now, back to the episode. That is so huge. I feel like that holding space is like the key part that people miss. Like, I'm pretty good at validating my own feelings. Like, oh, yeah. I'm pretty upset right now, <laughs> but allowing you to really sit in it. And I'm guessing that a piece that you said about you can do this for like the next breath, that's kind of like the coming up with a plan in a small way. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I love your example because that's a very real scenario of something that's hard in the moment, but like, what is that actual thought process like? and how to get you through it. And I think those three steps are super duper key. Um, so if you if you guys didn't catch it, it's one, validate how you're feeling, two, hold space for the emotions or the discomfort, and then three, come up with a plan. And it could be even as small as just one breath, you know? <laughs> so I, I love that so much. And I feel like that's super applicable to everyday life and all the other stressors that we go through. And then um, you were talking about what affirmations as well. Can you explain a little bit more about that and what that means? Because that's also a new concept, I think, for most people. I think so too. So we, we get bombarded with positive psychology all the time and it drives me crazy because it doesn't work. This whole idea of planting a seed of positivity and waiting for it to grow, if you are deep down in the stage of exhaustion, burnout, stress, or even PTSD and CPTSD, that seed's not going to grow. It's going to stay stuck. So we need to be able to work around that part of our brain that's going to dismiss those thoughts. So instead of saying, I am enough, 
say, what if I am enough? Hmm. Because then it starts to get you thinking rather than just like dismiss. So what if I deserve the love that I feel like I deserve? What if it's possible for me to nail this job interview? What if it's possible for me to live the life that I want to live before I'm 65? So by putting the words, what if at the front, it allows you to see possibility rather than dismiss it and be like, eh, that doesn't work. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much because I, you know, I've had the secret of not really being a fan of affirmations. I don't know. I, like it was always something that I was just like, I don't know if that really works for me. Like I literally went through that same thought process that you did of like you say it and then you're like, I don't think that really resonates or like it just doesn't really make sense and I don't know why kind of thing. So these what if questions really do open up that realm of possibility. And I feel like it does get you to that more positive feeling a lot quicker because it it helps you just think about like, okay, like it's an imaginative process, which we're all capable of, I believe. Mm -hmm. I agree. And then it starts to get you excited about that possibility. And that makes it so much easier for you to find the motivation to do the work. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that is so true that yeah, the motivation would be there because you are more excited about it. Whereas if you're just like, I am enough, like, okay, now what? Like, <laughs> even if you do accept that thought, like, what do, what do you do? What do you do next? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And that's what, uh, so the Vedic principle of Santosha, which is one of Patanjali's eight limbs of yoga, it's one of the niyamas. And so it talks about how we should be content and accepting. And so when we're looking at how to live our life and how to move forward, when you are content, it doesn't mean that you're going to stay stuck. It just means that you're going to be moving forward and continue to grow from a place of compassion rather than a place of beating yourself up. Mm. So the what affirmations really align with that because it allows you to be content to be like, what if I am enough? So right now, these are the places where I do feel like I'm enough. Here's where I need to do some work. And then you're able to really isolate those pieces and work on them. So mm -hmm. it doesn't seem as overwhelming. That is so true. I love that. And I think that's a really great journaling exercise as well to help you start to process those thoughts. And now you have a plan that's actually written down and you're like two steps ahead of where you were before. So... I love this. I feel like if you're in a place where you're super stressed or like everything just feels like an anxious time, these what if affirmations, it's kind of hard to say, what if formations are going to really help you and start moving past it? Because we just want, you're going to go through hard times no matter what. Like, let's be real. There's always going to be a stressful time in your life. Like you're never going to get rid of anxiety. We just need to figure out how to push past it because it will pass. You just need to figure out the right way for you that gets you through that season. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's where 
I believe that we're not meant to like get rid of our anxiety. We're not meant to silence our inner critic and our negative self-talk. We're meant to hold space and hold compassion for those parts of us. Because even though they may not be parts that we enjoy, they're still a part of who we are. And so we still need to openly hold compassion for those spaces. And I know that that might sound like, what is she talking about? She's got her life all together or whatever. Cause that's what people often tell me when they see me and they're just like, well, you always seem so calm. And I'm like, well, there's often like chickens running around right here. It's like ah, in my brain and I have OCD. I have severe anxiety in some spaces. And so it's like, if I can figure this out and learn how to hold compassion for those parts of me, so can you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think that's very interesting that people say that to you. I mean, I'm not surprised because you do look very put together. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what what I, what I will say, though, is that um, I think that's almost a limiting belief on whoever might be saying that. And that's not to attack them. But I think a lot of the times we look at other people and we just automatically downgrade ourselves like, oh, they got it together. They have all the things and I don't. But in reality, they're probably saying that because they do lack that self-compassion, that they're not able to quite fully understand what else is going on in other people's lives. Because we can't have compassion for other people unless we have it for ourselves first. And that connects with empathy because if we're able to have that compassion and empathy for ourselves, we can now see other people's issues and their problems in a light that is helpful and and connects us rather than deters us right because we have an expectation of somebody else that is very high and they don't meet that expectation because they're human we get all upset or we get frustrated at them because they didn't meet this expectation that we thought they had in our brains mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the keys to being able to unlock that within us is to look at emotions as information. So jealousy shows that that person has something that you want to work towards. And so when you see it as information and this ability to step back and look at it objectively and come up with a plan, then it doesn't necessarily create that that disconnect or that lack of compassion and connection between two people, it just provides more information. So yeah, my dull two cents on that bit. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's important. And I think a lot of people struggle with jealousy and they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I know I've been told in the past of like, oh, if you're jealous, like you just gotta get rid of it somehow. I don't know how, but like you just need to not, <laughs> which isn't super. Yeah. Hard. Right. Like all of those thoughts be like, just dismiss it, but how? So really like with jealousy, it just shows you that they have something that part of you desires. So that means you need to figure out, is it, does it matter enough that you really want to put in the work in and what's your first step going to be? So jealousy doesn't have to be dismissed again. It can be compassionately carried so long as you use that as the information to go after what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that also too, if you decide like, oh, maybe that isn't something that I really am willing to put in the effort to achieve, then you can more easily let go of the jealousy and be like, well, okay, well, that's not something that I actually want. So now it kind of removes the jealousy away. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love that. 
Well, Avery, this has been such a fruitful conversation. Uh, There's been so many nuggets dropped. I feel like everybody could take away something from this conversation. And I would really love for you to share how they can connect with you because you're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I know you have a great membership program that kind of touches on a lot of the subjects that we've talked about today. So go ahead and talk about where we can find you and how we can connect. Thank you so much, Kiani. I appreciate that. So people can follow me on Instagram at becomingavery, A-V-E-R-Y. And every morning I share a what information to help you set your intention for the day. So you can definitely come in and check that out. And I share all kinds of other stress management tips and things. And then you can also find me on my website, becomingavery.com. And then the membership that you mentioned is called the flow state. It includes 15 minute yoga classes, really quick little personal development exercises. We talk about working on habits, improving sleep, nutrition, there's meal plans. It's like a whole sort of encompassing thing to help you manage your stress. And we're coming at it from both those spaces, both the active practices and then also the preventative measures as well. I love that. Oh, that's so exciting. I think those are going to be really key for anyone who is looking to push past the stressful time and be able to turn it into a positive experience rather than just only a negative experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great. Well, awesome. So Avery, I am a person of faith, so I do love to pray for my guests if you'd allow me to. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Avery and her incredible experience that you've brought her through, whether it be also in her professional career, but mainly in her personal life, that she's been able to connect the dots of what it means to have a really healthy lifestyle, not just in what we put into our bodies, but how we handle the stress that comes comes to us. Lord, I thank you so much that you've you've blessed her with this ability to meld all of her skills and um and what she's learned into this new program and membership where she gets to actually help people learn how to do that for themselves. I pray for just a tremendous blessing upon her business that you'll allow this message to resonate with more and more people. And over time, I pray that it grows so big that people are now able to feel confident going into a stressful season and a stressful time, whereas they weren't able to do so before. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Kiani. That was beautiful. Yeah, no problem. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Avery. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. We'll see you around.